Beehive Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Bees. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Beehive Sports Podcast, episode 9, I think. I think it's 9. We'll call it 9. Uh, Kylie's back in the Beehive with me recording, so everybody loved him on uh, whatever episode. See, I'm lost with the numbers. Everybody loved Kylie being on the show. I liked, uh, you know, what we discussed, and I thought it went really well. So I think he's going to become more of a regular than a guest. So I was texting him last night prior to recording today, and we were talking. uh, He had a little rant he wanted to go on, and I said, I actually have one, too. So we're going to. We're gonna start with a couple different rants. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, what's that? Dual rants. Dual rants. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> we're starting. I'm gonna start with mine. This was something that was going on all over Facebook, and it's just so fucking irritating. I'm just people just won't let this go, and it just cracks me up at this point. All these NFL players and fans are all pissed off because Tebow got signed before Kaepernick. So. His expected contract, which is it hasn't been released yet, the numbers uh, should be soon from what I was reading, but it's expected to be around seven hundred thousand dollars. That's veteran. That's twenty five thousand more than veteran league minimum. If Kaepernick would have agreed to sign for veteran minimum, he would have been on a team the year after he left the 49ers. But he wouldn't. He wanted the the reports that now people are saying, well, nobody ever said that. Well, everybody was saying it back then. The number was $10 million. That was what he wanted. And I think he wanted a guaranteed starting job or something too, didn't he? Right, which he wasn't getting. They're not going to – he's not going to get that, and he's not going to get uh, $10 million a year to be a backup. Right. That's insane. Yeah. That's a good receiver. Tebow's not even a court, going, coming back as a quarterback. Right. And so here's <laughs> the thing that cracked me up, though, is that – uh, like Des Bryant was one who came out and was all pissed off that, and and one of the things that him or somebody I can't remember who it was they said, well, if he's going for tight end, then he's then he's taking a potential chance away from somebody else who could step up and you know a young new player taking his spot when it could be his spot. Well, what the fuck was Des Bryant doing when he signed with the team? When he came off and played for Baltimore, wasn't he taking a spot of somebody? younger who could possibly play that position. Mm-hmm. It's the same difference. Right. Yeah. If and, they, if they think you're, if they, if the coaches determine you're better than the other guy, then you're better than them. I mean, plain and simple. Like if he's going to help the team out, then he's going to help the team out. I mean, I think he's going to need to, he's going to have, cause I assume he's not going to be a tight end one. Like he's probably going to have to prove he can play special teams and stuff. I yeah. I assume. I would think. I mean, I, he's going to be doing a gritty, dirty job. He's not going to be back there right. slinging passes right. and stuff anymore. And, and the thing is, too, is he – I mean, I said this last week. He's 34. If he would have made this move 10 years ago, obviously we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. But that's what everybody said back then. Dude, go play tight end. Nope, I'm a quarterback. And he, they wouldn't want him to be quarterback anymore. And he, got out of, and he was forced out of the league because nobody else would sign him. So now that he's made this decision, you know, in my opinion, far too late. Now people are mad because he's getting a chance to do it because he might take the spot of another player. And Devin Bush 
is all, I can't wait till we play them. Like he's going to try and smoke them or something like that. It's like, what are you mad at? Because it's pretty obvious that you don't want to come out and say that you're mad because the white guy got a chance when Kaepernick didn't. The difference is money. And he's moving positions. He's not coming back to play quarterback. If Tim Tebow would have told Urban Meyer, I'll come back and play for $10 million, Urban Meyer would have been like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, and I'm starting over Trevor. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's so annoying, and I'm just over it. Can we just, Kaepernick turned down opportunities. Then he sets up his pro day that he wanted to have, his little, you know, veteran pro day. And he moves it. 45 minutes before it's or right before it's supposed to start 45 minutes away from where all the NFL scouts were or whoever was there. He moves it to another location because he says the NFL is not doing this fairly. Well, you don't want to play football. That's the bottom line. Right. If he wanted to play football, he would have taken less money and he would have played football. Right. It's no longer about that. And you're talking it, about a guy that, that was benched in favor of Blake Bortles. In his last gig. Blaine Gabbert, wasn't it? Oh, Blaine Gabbert, yeah. sorry. No, Blaine Gabbert. But yeah, yeah and, and yeah. that's the the stat line that shows up all the time. He was like <laughs> four for 12 for 33 yards and four interceptions, and he gets benched. And that guy wants – I mean, I, yeah, bad game here and there. Sure, that happens to every quarterback. But I knew it was some shitty former Jaguars quarterback. Right, yeah, <laughs> correct. So – that's just how I wanted to start off. And I'm not talking about Kaepernick ever again, unless he gets into the league, because that will be the only time he'll be relevant to me. And I don't think it'll happen because he's had his opportunity and it's come and gone. And he turned down money. He had an opportunity to sign with the Ravens. His girlfriend got on Twitter and tweeted out a picture of uh, Ray Lewis that Ray Lewis took as a shot, a racist shot at him. And even was interviewed saying I was in the back lobbying for this guy to sign with the Ravens and we almost had a deal done. And then she does this and it, it just blew it. Cause Harbaugh was like, but no, no, thanks. Not dealing with this. It, I'm just over it. So we're going to move on to Kylie's rant, which is also a good one. Uh, just a heads up to everybody. What we're starting out with today. Well, I guess we already started out, but what we're going to be getting into in the opening segment is the long awaited NFL schedule release, which was last Wednesday. It's one of my favorite days of the year. I sit there with my planner like a real nerd, writing in all the Bills games. <laughs> so, absolutely. Kylie, why don't you tell us what took place yesterday or wh- whatever it was that you listened? Was it Pat McAfee? Oh, uh, yeah. And I, it wasn't just him. I, I've heard a lot of people, um, just make comments about the scheduling like they and you can tell the way that they're saying it like they don't understand that like they think that these people pick like every game like each that, year yeah that, that they just that pick all no, the opponents and everything the, that there's no structure to it when right the there's, schedule makes it there's a system there's a system and the schedule Correct. completely makes itself right the only thing that they do is they they pick like um what week you play what team and like the time, the prime time, what games are going to be the prime time games and stuff like that. And like choosing like your bye weeks and that kind of stuff. And, and so like they have to sort all that stuff out within the schedule, but the schedule has a structure and it's just surprises me that I hear like 
especially like when you when I hear like former NFL players and stuff that they don't understand that. Like they talk about, oh, we had to play this team every year. Well, that's because you guys were. Pat McAfee says that he, he they had to play the Patriots every year. Well, yeah, because the Colts and Patriots were in first place every year, right? And you that's played. the way the schedule works. So the, it's you play one NFC division team, like. Okay, say you're the Buffalo Bills. You play one NF. They play one NFC division each year. Correct. Yep. And it rotates, and it rotates every yeah. year in the same order. It always rotates in the same order. So that's four games. You play your six division games. Right. That's ten games. Yep. You play one AFC division that rotates every year. That's fourteen games. And the other two are matched with whatever place you were. In the, and they're the, so like Buffalo in, is in first place. They play the other two AFC first place teams. Right. So so yeah, of course the Patriots and Colts played each other for for like ten straight years. As a Bills <laughs> fan, I would like to talk to Pat McAfee about having to play Tom Brady every year because <laughs> that was something we had to witness two times, and it, what went well three times. Right. One of the times I don't even think he played. It was Jacoby yeah, Brissett. The time, right? Yeah. yeah. And the <laughs> other times were like fluky shit had to yeah. happen, you know, for right. us to get a win. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. But that was kind of my thing is the schedule opponent wise makes itself like I, and it's just surprising when I hear, I hear a lot of and not, not just him either. Like it was other people I hear that like make comments about this team playing that team. And this team got a favorable schedule. Like the schedule makes itself. Like if you're a first place team, you're going to probably have a tougher schedule. Right. And I mean, that's just the way it goes. And, and that's why a lot of time, and that's also why you see a lot of first to worst and worst to first every year. There's always a couple teams that do that. It seems like, because the teams that are in last place get a very favorable schedule. So if they do well in the offseason, then they have a very good chance of uh, jumping up. And also they added the 17th game this year, which will be like for Buffalo, they play the Redskins. Well, sorry, the Washington football team. You call them whatever you want on this show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so they, but it's a, again, a rotating NFC team, but you line up what place you finished in that division. Which for the AFC, it's the two years year prior, it. right? Isn't that how they're doing it? So this year, whoever they matched up with in 2019 in the NFC East is who they're playing, and then next year it'll be the team that they lined up with in whichever NFC division it rotates to. It's going to be so. Uh, well, they were in first in 2020, or no? I'm sorry. 2020. Yeah, 2020. So they'd be in first. So whatever division it rotates to, they'll play the first place team from whichever division it rotates to in the NFC. Right. Yeah. Two years prior. It's always going to be two years back. Oh, is that? I didn't know that. I yeah. thought it was of last year. Nope. It's two years back. So it's this year, 2021. So it just so happened that Washington and Buffalo were. That's when they play, they played each other that year. And they both finished in the same spot in the right. division Which that year, too. Second. Because Buffalo is a wild card. Yeah. And I mean, who? I'm, I, yeah, I, w- I guess I wasn't aware of that. I, yeah. I guess I thought that it was because they were both first place teams last year. No, it's, yeah, okay. it's actually going back two years and they had happened to finish That's in the same. That's something I didn't even know. Yeah. Buffalo okay. was second and Washington would have been two. Yeah. Cause I think actually I talked about that in one of the earlier episodes when we were talking about uh, the 17th game and how they were going to, whatever. All right. So, like I said, what we're going to discuss, the NFL schedule release. 
Uh, we're going to take a look at some of the matchups we're excited about, whether it be our team or other teams or whoever. We're just going to bounce around. There's no real structure to how we're going to do this, but uh, I'll open it up. Uh, week one obviously leaked early in the morning, which was completely planned by the NFL, clearly, because every outlet had their hands on it all of a sudden. And it was in anticipation of, you know, the eight o'clock show that they wanted good ratings for, which probably got good ratings. I know a lot of people who watched it. So they could, you know, get out all the primetime games and all that. So week one, uh, I think there's, well, obviously they're starting with a great CBS doubleheader, which I thought. Uh, Bills host the Steelers at one, immediately following Browns at Chiefs. So that's that's two kick-ass games right in a row. Um, uh, I, the Steelers, Buffalo's had their number, what, two times in a row now, which uh, for the past, you know, decade hadn't really gone that way. I don't think shit. I can't honestly. Before that, I don't even know the last time the Bills beat the Steelers. No, the last time they had a chance was uh, Stevie Johnson, right? I was the drop that game. Which that, hindsight, when that happened, you know, I hated it. But then afterward, that drop moved them up to draft positions, so they were able to get who I thought at the time was great, Marcel Darius, and clearly, you know, we all know how that went. <laughs> he didn't belong. He never would have made it through McDermott and Bean. He would have been fucking gone. They paid him a lot of money. Bye. Well, that was Whaley. Yeah, yeah. Whaley did. But yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, not, not they did. No, they yeah, did not. The team in general. Not McBean. So, that was the first thing Bean did was get rid up of all him. the messes. They got yeah. traded everybody. <laughs> it's pretty awesome, actually. At first, it was like, uh, it's happening, but then now it all makes sense. A um, few of the other games that I noted from week one that I'm looking forward to is, uh, QBs facing their old team or a familiar foe. Uh, Darnold hosts the Jets week one. Uh, people who listen to me on here or just people who know me that I talk a lot of football with, I'm still a huge Sam Darnold guy. I think that he can make it. I have faith in him. I just think he needs to put in a better position than the Jets ever put him in. And uh, the Panthers with, you know, I got DJ Moore, McCaffrey, obviously. I just think already he's in a better position than he was with the Jets. Le'Veon has not been the same since he left Pittsburgh. And who who would Darnold's with best the Chiefs, ever? Now, right? Yeah, but he didn't even like yeah. hardly play. Yeah, yeah, with with when he was with Darnold, you mean he was no help or anything, right? right? Yeah. yeah, he didn't do shit in New yeah. Jersey. Plus, uh, I mean, anybody that's played with Adam Gaze has got worse. So it's yeah. like that's just progressive thing. Yeah. And, but, like, I mean, who was Darnold's best receiver Manor. ever as a Jet? Yeah. Crowder. J- Crowder. Jameson Crowder. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. That's the real Robbie thing. Anderson. It's not maybe. good. Yeah, yeah, Robbie Anderson, who's now with Darnold in mm-hmm. in uh, Carolina. So, that's a game I'm looking forward to. Um, Goff faces the 49ers, so this is part of the, like, familiar foe thing. So, he's going right back to a former division opponent. Same with Stafford who will be hosting the bears. So it's another familiar foe. So, uh, and that's a Sunday night football game, which I'm like, I'm excited to see Stafford play in LA. I think that he's going to do really well under McVay. Uh, one thing I just wanted to note, and then I'll let you go into week one or whatever you want to start with. Uh, I thought this was fucking hysterical. Urban Meyer quoted the other day. There's no tune up games in the NFL. You know, we don't get those like we did when I was a college coach. We don't get tune up games. Every week's difficult. They play the Texans week one. <laughs> it's the closest thing to a tune-up game yeah. that you could have. 
No, that's sure. assuming Deshaun's like not playing, I guess. Even if he is, I mean, Deshaun's good, but he's going to struggle to carry that team. There's nobody on it. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a tough situation there. We talked about it a little bit in your in, in the draft pro- podcast. Right. I, yeah. I, I picked them as one of my – it's just a bad situation yeah, in general. With, bad with or without them, it's it's going to be rough. Um, <coughs> one that you skipped over was the Thursday night opener, right? Bucks cowboys I did skip over that. Yeah, which I mean uh, – I mean, with Dak back, you know, I and honestly, I'm always excited for that game because it's football's here. Yeah, when that it, game when that game kicks off, that means football's and it's here. three days before we get to watch all the other games, right? And so it's yeah. So I just wanted to bring that. And one it's going to be a good game. Should it should be. be. Yeah, be with game. Dak back and stuff. I mean, the Cowboys. I think did some good things this offseason. I think so too. I think that they should be okay. Um. Uh. Yeah, and for Week One. Um, I know one thing that's uh, glaring right now still is the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, and it, but the way that they scheduled the Packers this year for like the first four weeks is they put them in. I think they have they play the Saints week one, which is it's like the it's like the main Fox game of the week, right? And um, then they have Monday Night Football week two, Sunday Night Football week three against the Niners. And then they play the Steelers week four. So, like, they're scheduling them like, like Aaron Rodgers is going to be, be there. there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so well, that's that's an interesting thing. Like five primetime games. Or, yeah. Or right, something like that. Yeah. And right that, off the – oh, overall, if, yeah. If Rodgers isn't there, those could turn into some massacres for primetime games. Yeah. Well, they, I think they're allowed to um, – um, Flex them? Flex the Monday night games now, too, I believe this year. Are they? Right? I believe that – I don't know if that's starting I, this year. I know. When I did my scheduling episode, uh, or uh, I think it was when the 17th game came, and I did a bunch of research into it then, and at that point, with the 16-game schedule, the flex system was still, like, later in the season. Right, yeah. They can't because be they had to give teams so much notice before Correct. they – Yeah, it's not right away. Yeah. But I, but I do believe – that it was approved. Now I'm not positive if it was approved for immediately this season or not, or if it was in the future. But I do, I did see that it was going to be approved to flex Monday night games at some point. So here's a another one that I noted: Week Four, Brady returns to New England. So that was this, one of my big ones. Yeah, yeah. So this is. Well, go ahead with it, and then I. If if you don't include this fact that I found, then I will. But you go ahead. Okay. Um. I might have because I have a fact about it, actually. Um, yeah, Brady returning to New England week four. Um, I mean, that's the one that's been talked about on like anything I've listened to or anything, too, is it seems like everybody's talking about that game already. That game's going to be cheapest so ticket big. was like thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah, cheapest ticket wild. to that game. That's wild. And yeah, so, I mean, that's going to be a huge game. Um, something funny that I brought up to you was. Um, there was supposedly Brady's dad um, called in a New England radio show this week and said that he expects to go into that game three and zero and come out four and zero. Yeah, <laughs> and so he was being pretty cocky about it already. Right. His dad and um, now one the, the the fact that I heard I don't know if this is the same one you did. Brady is eleven hundred yards behind Breeze. Yep, this is this is the fact. <laughs> the go same one. Go with it. Yep, <laughs> he is eleven hundred yards behind Drew Breeze and. I mean, week four, you know, he has a couple 250 and a 300 yard, yard game. 288. 
per game. Yeah. Well, he would yeah, have say to he average. throws for 251 and, you yep. know, and then throws for 300. You know, he yeah. could be right there within striking distance of passing to, to break the record in, in, New, in New, England. New England. Yeah. Yeah. 288 a game for those four games is what he would need. But yeah, if he has a 375, 380, obviously that drops the number down for, you know, whatever the final couple games would be. But yeah, that would be something. And it's, and that's another thing that when you look at the schedule, it's like they knew that. They were like, oh, what a good place for this to happen. Yeah, it really feels like it. Yeah. You know, it does. It, it, it was a very sneaky thing. They, and that, and I haven't heard anybody else bring that up. I heard it on one spot, but like none of the scheduling guys or anything did. Uh, Bill Saints, Thanksgiving. Primetime. That's the night, the nightcap game. I'm really excited for that because I already looked and I'm off work. So that's going to be, uh, I'm really- very excited about that too. And I actually, um, Justin Justice, already booked a hotel room down there for Wednesday through Friday and asked me if I wanted to go. He said, I don't even have to give him any money for a hotel room. Just show up. Well, if you don't go, I'm <laughs> going to steal your identity and take that offer. So, so I might try to work. Something I want to note for Bill's fans. Cause I would love, I would love to go to that game. <laughs> I already kind of, I did say something to Devin about it, but I don't know if we'll do it or not. But uh, something I want to just stress out to Bill's fans that I thought this was like, Super beneficial. So during their bye week, which the Bills, I think, is week seven, it would be during your bye week, 12 games off between games if you're Sunday to Sunday or whatever. 12, 12 days, full days of no game from game day to game day. So with the Bills playing on Thanksgiving on a Thursday night, the following scheduled football week they play the patriots on monday night so that's 10 days off in between those games so that's like two bye weeks and this is coming at the end of november into december so i just thought that was huge that that that's 10 days of rest for those guys who are getting banged up i mean you're getting into the dog days of the the season does that make sense is dog days just for summer i don't know but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like gotcha. you're, you're, it's grind time. Yep. You're at the, the part of the season where wins are extremely yep. important and staying healthy is important. And to have that 10 day break, I just think that's enormous. Like it's great, great timing for that. Yeah. November, December football is when it really starts to heat up. Yeah. Right. Dog days of summer, but <laughs> in the winter. <laughs> uh, week four, Jacksonville. Bengals, so Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow. I like it. I, I like it. that. I want to watch that game for sure. Uh, a couple others that I noted was Week 16 this season is going to be the first pick versus pick two, Wilson versus Lawrence. They play this season. Okay. Uh, week 12, Rams-Lions, Stafford versus Goff, the trade. See who it benefited more. I'm sure we could all predict the score of that one already. A <laughs> uh, couple others I wrote down. Week 8 and Week 17, Steelers-Browns. Because I do think that the tide is starting to turn in that rivalry that, you know, for a while, Steelers fans wouldn't even call it a rivalry anymore because it was just right kick the so. Browns' ass twice. Yeah, it'd be like if the Patriots or Bills fans are like, oh, Patriots and Bills yeah. rivals. No, they aren't. No. Brady just was our daddy for, <laughs> the you know, two games 100%. a year, and we thanked him, and he went on his way back to Foxborough, and – yeah, it was so it was kind of the same. I yeah, mean, they just really beat the hell out of the Browns, but not anymore. And so I'm excited for those two games because I think the Browns, the Browns defense is going to be stupid. I think 
The Browns is not the Browns no more. No, they unless they start doing Browns things, <laughs> then they is not the Browns. Who said who was that? <laughs> was that? it Juju? Juju, yeah. The, the Browns, Browns is the Browns. The Browns is the Browns. Yeah, he was wrong because and that was after the playoff game that he said that. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah, him and uh, that one Claypool. Because the guys were like, yeah. well, shouldn't you be going on vacation? Just stupid <laughs> shit. But uh, one more thing I really want to note real quick. Uh, just a few that I jotted down that were the worst primetime games. So week three, Panthers-Texans Thursday night football. That is not much exciting. Everybody about gets that one game. Thursday night game. Yeah. But yeah so. Sunday night football. The Packers have three games. Now, I noted that because if Rodgers isn't there, those are probably not good primetime games. I'm sure their opponent's good. I don't. I didn't even look at them. Uh, week 15, Monday night football, Vikings-Bears. It's just games that have to be played, you know? Mm. Like, I don't – and I'll probably bet it because degenerate <laughs> shit, you know? Just, yeah, the Bears got had, like, four or five primetime games, I think. They had quite a few primetime games. That's because they anticipate. I, I think Justin Fields starts quicker than any of us originally thought. I don't know if Dalton even starts week one. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, we'll see, I guess. And speaking of the Bears, um, with the scheduling, I thought this was an interesting thing I saw. They don't have two straight home or away games all year. They are home, away, alternate the entire schedule. Really? Home, away, home, away. All 17 weeks. That sucks. That's pretty wild. That can't be good, though. That's a lot of travel. I mean, you're, that's, yeah. I mean, you travel the equal amount, but pretty crazy. I've never yeah, heard of that cra- happening. I've never before. heard of that either. Yeah. So I think I heard that some from somewhere and it's I was like, I got to bring that one. We'll up. see how it shakes out. But uh bold strategy, Cotton, for <laughs> right. NFL schedule makers. Yeah. See what it does. I guess it's, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Just, yeah, like your home a week. And you're on the road. I mean, they're still going to practice. They're only gone for, you know, they probably leave, what, Saturday right. morning, Friday night. Yeah. They leave. Depending on where. Well, I remember uh, this past year when the Bills played uh, the Steelers, and they hosted them in Buffalo. And that was a Sunday night game? Yeah, I believe yeah. so. The Steelers left Pittsburgh that morning. And I don't know if that was because of COVID. They just didn't want to stay in a hotel. Or what? But they left on a bus from, or a couple buses from Pittsburgh that morning. Helps to Buffalo. short travel too. Yeah, it's not very stuff. far. Yeah, yeah, so five hours. I mean, if you're traveling, hours. if you're going across the country, it's a little different. And right. Stuff. Yeah, to adjust to yeah all that shit. But it still seems like I don't know. If if I had to choose, I would have rather gone the night before because then you're sitting on a bus all morning and then you got to go get loose and play football. That's mm-hmm. a long. That's five hours. Is still sucks. Right. I don't like driving. An hour. Right. Drive five and a half, whatever. But all right, we're going to get into a little bit of sports betting because the futures bets, clearly casinos just couldn't wait to pump these out. So the week one lines, and actually Kylie brought to my attention that week two is up too, and I saw a few of those. So we're going to talk about a couple. Uh, The Bills open up as six and a half point favorites against the Steelers. Uh, The Browns, five and a half point dogs at Kansas City. So for a lot of people uh, who don't know football, kind of the rule of thumb when it comes, I don't know how they do it in other sports, but for football, for sure, NFL, if you're an evenly matched team, you can you can kind of see these lines as you look at them. Uh, if a home team is a three-point favorite, 
That's typically because they're evenly matched, but they have home field. And now last year, I didn't notice that as much, and I think they they did take into account that there weren't crowds there. But now that crowds will be there, I would suppose we'll probably see that come back. So to me, like I see Bills minus six and a half. That means that Vegas thinks they're roughly three and a half points better team than Pittsburgh, but they're getting the extra three for the home. And a lot of people will dispute the claim I just made. But Some will say two and a half. Yeah, and I've read, I've, heard I, two and it's, a half. I've read it multiple ways. There's definitely points given for if you're evenly matched and you see a couple points going towards the home team, that's why. It's because they're the home team. Uh, the biggest line from week one was the 49ers are giving seven and a half at Detroit. So Detroit seven and a half point dogs at home, which – Again, as 49ers, you know, I mean, you would assume Garoppolo's starting, but Goff, you know, is Goff, and I watched him a lot watching a lot of Rams games, so that's an interesting opening line, though. The one, uh, clearly I said, you know, episodes ago, once we get into NFL, I'm going to do a three-bagger segment where I give you my three best NFL bets for, uh, you know, the the games that would be played following the release of the pot, the episode. So none of these are part of that because it's far too early. And actually, that was something me and Kylie were talking about as well earlier, that I think these futures bets are the dumbest thing in the world for people to jump on. You're risking training camp preseason. Now, uh, dudes uh, tearing their Achilles, working out, air quotes, off location Juwan, whatever his name was he got cut by the way so i don't know what's going to go on with them financially but uh so these are not just 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 take this from like if the games were being played this sunday the two bets that really caught my attention so not even three just two was packers plus two if rogers is playing i'm taking that bet all day long who's the quarterback for the saints Jameis winston or tayson hill Probably. Either way, I'm taking Rodgers getting points. There's no doubt about it. And the other one I liked actually was the Dolphins getting one and a half at New England because, A, I still don't think New England's going to be good. And, B, I think the Dolphins are going to be pretty good. That's going to be completely based off quarterback play because I know their defense will play well. And I do think that they have some pretty good weapons also. But it'll be up to what Tua does ultimately. Um, week two, so going really far into the future, I didn't even write this down. I just remember looking at it because Kylie had mentioned it, so I looked it up. The biggest line in week two for the way too early futures bets, uh, Browns are 13 and a half, or no, I'm sorry, 13 point favorites at home against the Texans. So those lines are coming out too as if Deshaun's not going to be there, I feel like. Because that's a lot of points. That's definitely a uh, Davis Mills line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Davis Mills. <laughs> I wonder what I should have looked, but that might be a good one to look Tyron at too because the Texans open against uh, the Jaguars. And I just have a feeling like week one, Jaguars, fresh team, new coach, they're probably going to win that game. Probably like convincingly, I think. Not, not, not like enough to where the media will be like, holy shit. Trevor Lawrence, look at what he can do. 
You hope so. You, I mean, if not, you never know with the NFL. Though. You don't. You, NFL is. You don't. It, it, we're going to find. I think we'll find out really pretty quick within the first four to five weeks if that's going to be what it's going to be like for Jacksonville. If that's yeah. going to be a mess or not. Yeah. I mean, I, if it did start off as a mess, though, I wouldn't be. If I was a Jacksonville fan or even just a person who watches the NFL like I am, I still wouldn't be concerned. I wouldn't think like, oh boy, that this whole Urban Meyer idea is terrible. I don't think they it can needs, expect too much. No, and right it away. just shit needs time. Yeah, and that's what this league is wrong. That's what's wrong with the league right now is it's become such win now. Teams are blowing five first round picks for one guy, and, and just it's just crazy to me that. And that's what I think I love about Bean and McDermott so much is that they literally stripped that team down, buck naked, got rid of all the huge contracts. Played shitty and even made the playoffs with that with that kind of shitty team uh, with Tarod Taylor mm-hmm. and you know got beat first round playoffs missed playoffs next year and then wild card win the division and what's next? See. Yeah, I know. Makes me <laughs> makes my stomach hurt thinking about it. I've never been so nervous in my life. I had to ask so many people how to behave the day of the AFC championship. Cause I'm like, I don't, this doesn't happen to us, you know? All right. Anything else to add Kylie? No, I don't, I no. We're good. Yeah. I think we covered they, everything. Uh, well, what I, I, I guess I brought up that, that, uh, chief, week two chiefs. at oh, Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking about betting. Yeah. Yeah. The week two chiefs at Ravens. I had heard was getting smashed pretty hard. The chiefs are negative one. Um, at the Ravens, and I heard that one's been getting hit hard. And and that's what started our conversation about the way too early bets. Because yeah, if it's you know Tuesday morning after Week One just got over with, and I look at the lines and it's Chiefs minus one, I'm jumping all over that. Everybody with a brain who bets would be on that game. Which you know when public goes heavy, that's usually when it doesn't come through, anyways. But it's just. Seems like that's an obvious choice there. And why people want to jump on it now, which I get, because you want that number. And you know by the time week two rolls around, that number's not going to be Chiefs minus one. It's going to be Chiefs minus four, minus five, minus six, whatever it might move to. And so everybody wants that minus one, but they haven't. If Pat Mahomes gets hurt week one and he's out six weeks or three weeks, Week two game, Chiefs minus one, all of a sudden doesn't look so good, does it? <laughs> so, yeah, just be patient, people. Not I'm Matt, all for Matt Moore. I'm all for yeah, Matt Moore. <laughs> I'm all for early week bets. Like I, I look, I definitely look on Tuesday, sometimes even Monday because they'll have the Sunday games posted at least, you know. But uh, I'm all for the early week bets. But three, what is it like? I counted today because I'm a loser. 18 Sundays until the very first. 18 Sundays. Yeah. After tomorrow, 18 Sundays. So. How many rounds of golf is that? 18. Because <laughs> I retired from softball. So that's so 18 rounds of golf. You just play men's league and that's it? Or? Uh, no, I'm playing as much as I can. I just <laughs> kind of don't get better, it seems like. But yeah, so 18 Sundays. Far too early to start committing to bets, my opinion. But 
All right, we will take a break and we're going to be back with a little story time again on the sports history segment. Hi, this is Chris Rossetti, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about our new website, D9in10sports.com. It's just like the old one, but with the word and in the number 10 added to the end. D9in10sports.com is your new home for District 9 and District 10 high school sports, and we are doing all the things you have come to love from us, plus much, much more. Our goal is the same, to cover every sport at every school in both D9 and D10 in a variety of ways, including writing, video, and audio. If you're a high school sports fan, you need to check out D9in10sports.com today. Let's take a look back at this week in sports history. All right, everybody, welcome back. Another segment of This Week in Sports History. This edition of This Week in Sports History is brought to you by D9and10sports.com, the home for all things District 9 and District 10 sports. If you love sports, this is the place to be. So we're skipping 10 facts again. I know I did them last week. We're, we're going to do a hard pass on those this time around, but it's for a good reason. I actually had this as I found it. Well, I saw it. I didn't find it. I saw it. It was uh, regarding a death row baseball team. And not only did I save it because I was like, yeah, it sounds like a good topic for some time. Uh, I actually had uh, Nordine send it to me and said, "This you got to talk about this. It sounds pretty crazy. So people are seeing shit now and relying on me to research it. And then talk about it so that they can all listen. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so this was this is neat though. All right. So it's around 1910, 1911. It's it's primarily in 1911, but I think the ideas started swirling in 1910. Uh, Sheriff Felix Alston is appointed the warden of the Wyoming State Penitentiary. All right. So his uh, the the warden before him was, in the words of the, you know, the way he was described and all that I read, he was horrible. Horrible to be an inmate under. Uh, they He had companies that he owned outside of the prison, and he brought the work to the prison and made the, the inmates do this stuff. It's like broomsticks and just crazy, I don't know, a bunch of shit. So anyways, he gets... He gets uh, outed as the warden, and they hire Sheriff Felix Alston, who was the sheriff of Bighorn County in Wyoming. Well, he started giving, you know, he was a little bit more compassionate towards the inmates, uh, particularly the guys on death row, and he started giving them recess time where they could go outside and work out and do all this other stuff. Well, it, uh, pick up baseball started happening with these death row inmates. Well, as he was watching them, he noticed like some of these guys are really, really good, like really good. So he, uh, who he's friends with governor Joe Carey at the time, 1911 Wyoming governor's Joseph Carey. So he approaches Carey and says, Hey governor, can we, 
what do you think about us starting a baseball team? Because I've been watching these guys out in the yard. Some of them, and he, he said, had pro, in his opinion, pro talent. Of course, he's not a pro scout. He's a sheriff. So he knows about as much as the city warrant police officer sitting here doing this podcast. But he sees these guys. He said, pro talent. So Kerry, Governor Kerry, known gambler, sees this as an opportunity to make some profit off of convicts. So this is where it gets crazy. I mean, this is literally one of the most corrupt stories I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> so he agrees to let them form a team. The team got new uniforms. Uh, they were treated like true athletes. You know, they were feeling good about themselves. So the first game they played, and, and we'll get into the opponent situation later, but game one, it's against a team called, it's a company team. They're called Wyoming Supply Company. And uh, the Wyoming Supply Company Juniors was their name. And they were noted as the best team in the area. Best pickup, you know, I don't know, of course, what the baseball situation was. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. So they schedule a game with the Wyoming State Penitentiary All-Stars. That's their team name. And the convicts beat them 11 to 1. Kicked their ass. So. 10 random. 10 random. Yeah. Joe, Joe Sang, who's the best player on the team, okay, he was in on death row because he killed his girlfriend's husband. He had a girlfriend, or wife, husband's wife had a side dude, was Joe Sang. Joe Sang kills husband in hopes that they can run away together. Didn't work out. In jail. Apparently. Boom. Prison. <laughs> so, uh, but as this baseball story goes... You know how America is the land of the compassionate. They start finding Joe Sang's story romantic that he would do that for this woman so that they could run away together. You know, normal shit. Yeah, you have social media, right? Yeah, exactly. People were still nuts. So, anyways, journalists nationwide take note of this story. They're like, because Joe Sang's hitting dingers, right? In the eleven-one win, he had two bombs. One was a grand slam. Chicks dig the long ball. Chicks dig the long ball. So he homered in. Three out of the four games that this team ends up playing, this guy just rakes, right? Joe, Joe Sang, yeah. So the, the public eye, like I said, they think it's a shame he's on death row. And, you know, people started writing to the governor saying, why don't we, you know, commute his sentence and, and make it a life sentence rather than death row? You know, he's a good baseball player. Not that that's going to help him. He's going to live longer, but he's not like ever going to make a career out of, you know, whatever. So. What also happens, though, is the rumor mill starts in the state of Wyoming, in this town called Rollins, Wyoming. The rumor mill starts that if they keep winning, Joe Sang's sentence gets reduced. So that's where they're at. Now, people are talking like, these guys keep winning, these guys stay alive. So that's kind of what the meme that I, I posted on the, pay, the mm-hmm. podcast page was stating because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily true. There's some mm-hmm. truth to it that people thought that, but it wasn't the case. And we'll get to that. So George Sabin, who's another murderer, he's on the team. He's the captain, actually. Team captain, George Sabin. This guy had a fucking maid in prison. Listen to this. So the story of Sabin goes, he was a cattle, uh, or during this, the time prior to him going to prison, cattle hoarders and sheep farmers in Wyoming were in the middle of a huge turf war. All right. Business was getting too close to each other. They didn't like it. In the early 1900s in Wyoming, 
there's still a lot of people who had respect for the, you know, the old West style of justice. Like, we'll just dole it out. Smoke one, somebody dies, and it's all good. People thought that that was okay still. Some. Uh, the law did not. Saban was arrested for killing a guy on, or th- I think three guys actually, who was on his on his property or close to his property or something. And ironically, the arresting officer at the time was Sheriff Alton from Bighorn County. So now there's still rumor too that I'm reading that Alton, or I'm sorry, Alston and Saban actually had some sort of like really close friendship too. So when Alston takes over, Saban could come and go from the prison as he pleased. Civilian clothes, he just had to stay the night there. He had to sleep there. But during the day, he was free to go. So the catch to that was he had an armed guard with him all the time, no matter where he went. So they were paying money. Wyoming residents were paying tax dollars for this dude just to go to prison to sleep, and then somebody had to follow him around everywhere he went. Bars didn't matter. So he got in on this financially. He goes into these bars, and Saban would promote the team. Uh, local men would then bet on the team, and, you know, he's giving them inside scoops. Like, yeah, we practiced, you know, we had two-a-days for a week. We're hitting, the, you know, this guy's hitting the shit out of the ball. We're not going to lose bet on us. So they're, like, making all this, you know, he's involved in, in the cash portion of it. So Olsen and Kerry, like I said, both able to profit off of, you know, Saban going in and promoting the team and whatnot. So as time went on, players started receiving special uh, special treatment, getting extra meals and stuff like that. Other prisoners started getting pissed off. Especially when the rumors started that Sang may escape the death penalty because he's a good baseball player. So Olsen made excuses for the delay because the day comes where Sang's supposed to be executed. He's going to be hanged. And it didn't happen. And of course, uh, Alston makes excuses, says it's a bureaucratic bullshit. I don't know what's going on, why they didn't do it, whatever. But the story is, it's because he's kicking ass at baseball and he's making this dude money. So, on the day Sang was supposed to be put to death, an inmate tried to take it upon himself to make sure it happened. Uh, he pushed a box that was filled with sand over this railing, fell 25 feet. As it was falling, Sang leaned over to speak to a guard and it just missed him. But had he not leaned over to speak to that guard, he would have got smoked. So he lives. And Alston increases the security of the prison because he's got to protect his boy, right? He's like the the Tom Brady or the Mike Trout. He's the Mike Trout of the fucking prison. So during poor performances, Captain Sabin would scream at the players in the dugout. Uh, if they did badly, he would say, hey, time's going to get added to your sentence if you, you know... Which didn't make sense to me that part because if they're on death row, what time are they yeah, adding? They're going to shorten their. Yeah, I guess that could be it. Time added is actually moved up death date. Yeah. That might be it. So, and the Sang rumor was used as a motivator. Sabin would tell people, listen, Sang's getting his date pushed back because he's playing good. You guys want to play good? Then you get your date pushed back. That's how this is going to work. So that was motivating these guys to just play hard. Well, word got around town about the gambling operation at Wyoming State Penitentiary. Rumors that the governor was involved spread. And to combat the rumors, Governor Kerry started an anti-gambling campaign. So the reason he starts this anti-gambling campaign is because the, it turns out, the warden prior to Sheriff Alston 
had started a campaign to run for governor and he was going to try and, you know, unseat uh, Governor Kerry. Because keep in mind, like I said, that guy was a businessman. So he had a bunch of money. He was a warden, you know, but he had all those businesses on his side. So this dude has money. So he, st- he has an informant within the prison who's feeding him this information and giving him these rumors about the gambling and Kerry being involved and all that. So he starts, you know, his campaign with corruption and all this stuff against Kerry. And that's why Kerry's like, no, no, no. And, and actually I hate gambling and, you know, he does politician shit and, you know, lies because that's what they do. So Alston ends up canceling the team and he used the funding to create an educational program to help rehabilitate these, uh, you know, these inmates who were mostly high school dropouts or illiterate. So he puts the money towards a good cause. Community obviously loved that move, applauded, blah, blah. Joseph Sang got to live another year because of his baseball abilities, but ultimately in May of 1912, you know, because the governor never agreed to commute his sentence, so he was publicly hanged. Uh, the the writers of uh, all the newspapers back then, because it was a huge event, you know, when he got hanged, every, all these reporters were there. And they said that he walked proudly and he lived his last year, you know, to the fullest on the diamond and hitting bombs. So, yeah, I guess he was he was content at that point. So the men in charge, you know, basically the men in charge of this whole operation, which would be Alston and Carey and whoever else, you know, was in on it. uh, Sabin, the captain of the team, also inmate. They made a bunch of money off of kind of you know, false hopes and dreams for these players thinking, Hey, we're going to, you know, we could keep kicking ass. We can get our sentence reduced and maybe not die, you know, in front of everybody or whatever. So the team ended up playing only against Wyoming supply company, but they played four times. They actually scored 11 runs in the first three games, which everybody was like, so weird, you know, but they outscored them 48 to 16 in those four games though, four and against this team. 48 to 16, just mop job, bent them every time they played them. Uh, I had to note this because I thought it was a good way to end it. The roster included 12 men, which there's a picture of it on on the Beehive Sports Podcast Facebook page I posted a couple days ago. Uh, The roster included 12 men, three rapists, one forger, five thieves, and three killers. That was the squad. So that's the story of the death row baseball team. So uh, a lot of, um, you know, the headlines on those memes and stuff were that their, their play depended on uh, how long they lived. It was, it's partially true, but it's also not like, it wasn't like an agreed upon thing. It was something that a corrupt uh, warden and a corrupt governor were pushing into the minds of these guys so that they would continue to play well and basically just make them a bunch of money. So uh, you had just noted during a break when we were briefly talking about this, that if there would have been Twitter back then, you know, it just goes to show you that politicians have been bad people for not just in the last 20 years. Yeah. It's forever. They were hanging guys for forgery too. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So, so that was something too. Yeah. Five thieves and one forger. <laughs> <laughs> shit was real in Wyoming back then, I guess. Don't mess around. Yeah, fuck around and <laughs> find out is what their <laughs> yeah. philosophy was right. because, holy shit, a forger. <laughs> right. Like, signed a check? 
Done. <laughs> Get Out. the news. Yep. Out. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, that is it for this week in sports history. Again, this edition of This Week in Sports History is brought to you by D9and10sports.com, the home for all things District 9 and District 10 sports. If you love sports, this is the place to be. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with the things that sting. time for the things that sting the worst stories in sports according to joe hi everybody welcome back to the things that sting a couple stories we're gonna talk about today tragedy in the football world uh two different situations so the first situation we're going to talk about would be colt brennan uh, is a 37-year-old former University of Hawaii quarterback. He actually holds the NCAA record for most touchdowns. It's 58 in one season. Uh, he was a Heisman finalist. Um, he was finishing up the fifth month of a six-month treatment program or had completed uh, something along those lines. Uh, however, had in, then ingested uh, some fentanyl or a drug laced with fentanyl and was found unconscious, taken to a hospital where he ultimately succumbed to the the drugs. Colt Brennan had a little bit of a troubled past. Uh, started at the University of Colorado uh, where he was uh, involved in an incident where he ended up getting charged with sexual assault, indecent exposure, burglary, and criminal trespass. Uh, then went to a jury trial where he was found guilty of unlawful sexual contact. A judge later dismissed that and instead found him guilty of second-degree burglary and first-degree criminal trespass. He spent a week in jail from those charges in 2005. So he then transfers to, uh, I saw it was like Saddleback College, where he played a very short period of time and then ultimately headed out to Hawaii, where... Uh, he really got into the – that's my dog walking around, if you can hear that. I'm not stopping, but he's hanging out. Uh, so he gets into the Samoan way of life. Uh, what did we read that he took? He really took on that to be part of it because there's a lot of there's a lot of the um, that nationality out that play on. Right, his entire there. offensive line was Samoan. Right, and so, so he, yeah, he really took away with them out there and – yeah, it like took like what three or four years of Samoan. They right, yeah, to so that he could to learn further culture further and, bond with his yeah. offensive linemen. So that was pretty cool, and it sounded like you know at that time, uh, turning it around. Of course, you know, unfortunately, the worst was yet to come. Uh, so he and he had highlights past Hawaii. He was drafted uh, by the Washington Redskins. Then they were the Redskins in two thousand eight, where he spent two years as a backup. And was then then signed with the Oakland Raiders, where he was cut before the season started. So that was his uh, end of his NFL career. Three years 
uh, you know, never served as a starter. Uh, if he did, it would have been, you know, a spot start, which I don't know if he did or not. But other never, than that one incident, hadn't really, it doesn't seem like he did anything too bad or right. anything. Yeah. But until 2010, where he gets involved in a really, really bad car crash, uh, breaks his ribs, collarbones, uh, or collarbone, and then actually had blood clots that plagued him beyond the crash to, to the degree where he had to walk with a cane. Um, due to the crash, obviously being prescribed painkillers, and this is something that happens in our country all the time. Uh, he becomes addicted to them and obviously turned to, you know, a similar substance in the, in the form of probably, I'm guessing heroin, if he was using fentanyl, it's typically what you see that laced with, uh, if fentanyl is involved, it's usually, you know, with heroin. So the weekend before he passes away, he goes to a detox center and they turn him away. And of course, this is the report according to his dad that was in the New York Times. Uh, he was turned away from this rehab or detox center, ends up hours after. Yeah, hours later. Hours later, goes to a hotel where he met up with some people and that was where he used and, and collapsed. Uh, was taken to a hospital, like I said, where he ultimately died. So that's a terrible story and really sad situation. It is because, uh, again, like you said, uh, and he and he's still in reference to the incident in Colorado. Colt Brennan, you know, made statements that um, he made a bad decision, but that he didn't commit a crime and his in, he had no bad intentions. He said that he was cocky, he was an arrogant, you know, probably big man on campus, quarterback of mm -hmm. you know big school, so. Yeah, he kind of owned up to what he did there. He did. Bit. And, and yeah. And then he moves, you know, on to Hawaii where things really took off for him. I, I don't think that his projection into the NFL was ever something that was super realistic. But, uh, you know, he made it there. He was mm -hmm. he was yeah. on a team. He got right. drafted. Still holds a NCAA Division One record. 58 <laughs> touchdown passes is a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, uh yeah, sad story. Uh, I mean, so and he, it seemed like he was, it seemed like from what his dad was saying and stuff too, when I read the article, that he was really trying and taking to rehab really well. So it's really sad that he got turned away the way he did. Yeah. Because it's it seemed like his dad was saying that he was in a really good place and he was, he was, he was really getting, but it seemed like he needed to be there quite a bit longer, right. obviously. Yeah. Because immediately when he got out, he was he went like, to, turned into a bad crowd. Right. And, and then when he goes to the detox center, then, yeah, that's a shame that, you know, they had to turn him away because they're out of beds because it's such a problem yeah. that these places are full. But even then, uh, and of course, I don't even in law enforcement, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about how detox centers and rehab facilities work. I'm uh, sure we, there's you know, more to the situation, too. That we don't know. It's basically, you know, from my standpoint, if I make an arrest and it goes to the criminal level, then it's in the hands of the district attorney and the district attorney's office. And if they work out something where rehab's feasible, then it happens. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I don't know, just to me, you would think like a guy comes to the detox center, they should never let anybody leave. Even right. if they don't have space, keep them there until you can find, get them to another one. Mm -hmm. uh, one I, in the next county. One. In I the, guess my point is this is, this story is straight coming straight from his dad. So you don't know the story coming from the detox center. That is so, also true. 
So yeah, there could have been, there might be more to the story. There there. could be more to it. Yeah. You're right on that. That's a good point. And, uh, but it's still, yeah. From, so from the dad's side, Mm -hmm. it seems as though that just seems, it does seem a little bit unrealistic, but I've heard of things like this happening too. I mean, I watch it happen in mental health all the time. So yeah, it's, it's a shame. So Colt Brennan, rest in peace. Uh, you know, hopefully whatever pain he was going through is gone and that his parents and family and everybody can, can be at ease after a while. So uh, the next one we're going to talk about is going to be significantly shorter, but we thought we'd mention it. Yeah, uh, that one could almost be a 30 for 30, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That could, that <laughs> there's a lot going there. all the way back to his We Colorado kind of skimmed days. through it pretty quick. We did. Yeah, there was definitely there's probably a lot there. I think yeah. we hit the highlights, but yeah, there's definitely more, yeah. more to it. So. Uh, go ahead with uh, the next uh, incident. Tari- yeah, Tariq Cohen, running back for the Chicago Bears, who actually suffered an early season injury last year and was out most of the year, but very yep. a good running back. Yeah, he turn is. man. Um, his twin brother, Tyrell, uh, was found by an employee at a, an electrical substation in, or uh, I think it was Raleigh, I believe is where, where it happened. Um, and uh, dead, unconscious, dead. Um, and then the reports later, from what I saw, um, were that he had been and he had been reported missing um, earlier that night. There was a single car crash. Uh, the car belonged to him, and he had fled the scene. So. That's, I mean, that's the report, and that's all there is to it, right? No, why, why he fled? Play is what he, I saw is it was he ran from the scene of a crash. Yeah, maybe he had some, uh, who knows? Went probably and, in a maybe an area he wasn't real familiar with. Tried to climb a fence and ended up getting electrocuted. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, obviously, you're not going to see too much uh, more about the details of that, but uh, I can only, I, I kind of feel for obviously, you know his family and everything because it's a sad situation, but the guy who found him, uh, I've heard, I've never seen it even being in law enforcement for seven years. I've never seen a situation where somebody was electrocuted to death, but I've heard stories about it happening and it's not, it's, it's something that will haunt you after you see it. You know, it's really a, a disgusting image to have. So hopefully the guy who found him's, you know, not uh, too scarred. Yeah. yeah. Cause that, that can't be, you know, something that he's ever going to forget for sure. So well, that wraps it up quick segment, but uh, we just had a couple things we wanted to talk about. So we're going to take a break. I'm going to be back with the, my hive segment and I'm going to have a special guest on and uh, I'm not, I'm not even going to, well, actually it'll probably be in the details of the episode. So you're going to know anyways, it's Ian Monksgard. He's a little league standout and a travel ball i'd say probably standout i think that's when it, that's like a little more competitive than little league when you get into travel ball that's when it gets a little the serious sluggers, is that what they, are they still no he is he's that? on the allegheny hitmen oh, okay i've never so haven't heard of that they okay. are the new sluggers i believe okay so just change the name just change the name allegheny hitmen so he's going to be on with me uh we'll take a break and we're going to do a little interview of him he's going to tell us about what's going on in the world of youth baseball. So we'll see you in a few. Hi, 
This is Ryan Klein, the host of the new pop culture podcast, Me, Myself, and Rye. You can find me on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several other platforms. Special guests, breakaway shows, bonus episodes, cold beers, and a whole lot more. So what are you guys and gals waiting for? Subscribe now to the Me, Myself, and Rye podcast on Spotify or wherever it is that you get your shows and start listening today. dial back the language a little bit for uh, this segment. I have a some young ears in the studio. Uh, Ian, how old are you? 12. 12. So I have with me Ian Monksgaard, who's 12 years old. He has an extreme passionate love for baseball, plays on multiple teams. So we're going to ask him some questions today. I, I think uh, from what I've seen, you know, on Facebook and everything, Little League's kind of on the upswing, looks like, that they're making a little bit of a comeback. Uh, I know popularity of that had gone down with with the emergence of travel ball, but it seems like now it's it's making its way back. Uh, there was a bunch of tournaments in Warren this weekend, so it was really cool to see all of that. So, Ian, what teams do you play for? I play for Allegheny Hitmen, and I forgot my little league team, but it's like gray. Gray floor care. Yeah. Is that what it is? Uh, I don't know. I forgot. That's all right. So Allegheny Hitman is your travel ball team. Yeah. Right? So where do you guys all play? Um, we've only had one tournament so far, and we've practiced. Well, our tournament was at Ohio. Okay. And we practice at um, the high school, like uh, where the high school. Practice. The Legion Field? Yeah. Okay. So is it all Warren kids that are on your team, or is it people um, from other places there's, too? It's mostly Warren and three from Frewsburg. Okay. Cool. What position do you play? Um, second. Second base all the time, or do you move around a little bit? I move around. Where else do you play? Second, um, like places in outfield, and I pitch a little bit. You pitch a little bit? Okay. What's your favorite position, though? If I was the coach of your team and I said, Ian, I'm letting you make the lineup today, where are you batting and where are you hitting? Or, I'm sorry, where are you batting and where are you fielding? Um, I'm fielding at second. Okay. And I'm batting fifth. Fifth? Yeah. All right. You want to be after the cleanup guy. I like it. All right. So uh, tell us a little bit, like, well, first of all, who's your favorite Major League Baseball team? Yankees. Yank the Yankees. <laughs> if I had known that, I may have reconsidered this interview. <laughs> Just kidding. Who's your favorite player? Um, Probably Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter? Yeah. All right. What about current players? Probably Tatis Jr. Tatis Jr.? Everybody loves him. Yeah. He's fun to watch. So I remember when I was a kid, 
And something that I always used to do, I remember during like Little League and then when you're just playing pickup baseball with your friends, do, do you uh, ever try to mock anybody's batting stance? No. No? No. Maybe that was just something we did when we were kids. But I think there was a lot more uh, unique batting stances back when I was a kid with Jeff Bagwell and Gary Sheffield and, and Griffey's one-handed follow-through swing. There's a lot of a lot of good players back then. And I've shown you videos. Remember when I used to do that when we were watching yeah. Or when we were at softball games, I'd show you videos of old mm-hmm. baseball players. Just got to keep watching them because some of those guys were really good. So tell me, Ian, what is your favorite? Well, actually, before we get to your favorite memory, tell me just what in general do you love about baseball? Um, everything. Everything about it? Yeah. Just the competitiveness, the teammates. Is there anything in particular that sticks out? Um, I like hitting a hitting. lot. Yeah. What about, uh, and, and so I'm going to give you an opportunity to do a little shout out here. Do you have a couple teammates of yours that are like your favorite teammates, your best buddies? Um, yeah. Who are they? Uh, James Johnson. Okay. Tage Wyman. Aiden Gruber. Brady Sheen. A lot of them. So those are your boys? Yeah. The, the baseball boys that you hang out with? And yeah. That's what you guys do, right? Just play ball. Cool. So tell me your favorite how, how long have you been playing travel ball? Um, like for a long time. I Six years. Six years? Yeah. Dad's in the studio. Is the studio. The beehive. It's a studio now. I can call it that. So Timmy, who's a good friend of mine, obviously, uh, one of my, a guy I've been friends with for a really long time now, and uh, this is his son, Ian. So Timmy's, Timmy's in the beehive too so he's flashing some numbers to ian to help him out a little bit so you've been playing for six years what teams did you play for you played for kinsey sluggers yeah is that the only other named travel team that you played for yeah and then now it's allegheny hitmen yes cool so tell me uh one of your favorite memories of of playing uh travel ball like a tournament or a a situation that happened or anything so we were in canfield ohio all right and Bases were loaded. I was up to bat, and then there was a rain delay for four and a half hours. And on the way back to the hotel, I told my dad I was super nervous. And then when we what were you nervous about? uh, That I was going to strike out because you were coming. So to follow the story, the rain delay, you guys went back to the hotel and then would regroup at the field later. Is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. So when you're coming back to the field, bases are loaded. And you're right up to bat as soon as the game resumes. Yeah. Okay. So and what then, happened? Uh, I came up to bat, and first pitch I saw, I almost hit it out. And I scored two runs, and there was a guy on third, and I got a double, and it was to tie the game. So you tied the game up. So yeah. you're nervous, and, and maybe the little uh, rain delay actually calmed you down a little bit. And yeah. And you were able to pull through. So that's cool. Uh, what position, so you, is when you play travel ball, you play second base mostly for travel ball too? Yeah. Okay, and then for Little League, the same? Um. Yeah. Which do you pitch in more, travel ball or Little League? Little League. Little League, okay. Because yeah. you guys probably have some guys on your travel ball team that that's mostly what they do is pitch. Is yeah. that why? Yeah. Okay. What position does Tage play? Pitcher He's and um, center. Pitcher and center? Who plays first base? Reed Olson. Is he tall? Uh, no, not really. Isn't Tage tall? But he doesn't. Tage play. plays first a little bit. Does he? Yeah. All right. Um. So 
I'll tell you a story real quick because I know I know you've been around to to watch, but I don't know if you how long you know you remember stuff. But so Timmy and I, your dad, we played ball for uh, probably around since I started playing you know softball when I was nineteen, and it only took about two years for me to realize that I didn't want to warm up with your dad anymore because he throws the ball. We could be 10 feet away and he throws it about 110. Uh, and I just thought that, you know, the risk of injury warming up just wasn't worth it. So I made other people play catch with your dad. And then when I got, I actually played some first base in over 30 softball league and even him throwing from shortstop, it wasn't a whole lot of fun to catch because he threw it so damn hard. And then, um, also, uh, your dad has this move where if a guy rounds first uh, after a single, he could be two feet off the bag or 10 feet off the bag. The throw's always coming. As soon as it came in from the outfield, snap throw. So I always had to be paying attention or I'd take one upside the head, you know? Yeah. So, Ian, thank you so much for being here. I know you got to get off to practice right now. Is this hitting on practice? Yeah. Okay. So when's your guys' next tournament? Um... June. June. Do you have any that are going to be played locally? Any tournaments in, in that are close to Warren? Oil City. Oil City. Okay, yeah. so about 45 minutes away. All right, well, maybe we'll get the word out there and we get some fans down there for you. Yeah, there's du we're going to go to a Dubois one, too. Dubois, is that the next one coming up, the one in June? Um, no. No? Is Oil City so. the next one? Yes. Yeah, okay. So... All right, everybody, Ian Monksgard, he's an up-and-coming youth baseball player. was really happy that he could be here. Maybe towards the end of summer we'll have him back and we'll see how the season went and how many uh, uh, gold medals they win at these tournaments. Is that what they give out or do they give out trophies? Uh, trophies and medals. Does, every, does everybody get a trophy or just the winners? Just the win winners. That's the way it should be, right? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Cool. So, everybody, thank you, Ian. We're going to wrap this up. Right. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. No problem. We'll see you soon. That wraps up this week's edition of the Beehive Sports Podcast. I want to give a thanks again to the sponsors, D9and10sports.com and the Me, Myself, and Rye podcast. I want to thank Kylie for being on again. Like I stated earlier, that's just going to become a regular thing. It's nice to have a, a bit of a co-host, and he's great at it. So that's something we're going to be doing a lot more in the future, especially when football rolls around. I want to thank Ian Monksgard for joining me for the interview. Uh, great hearing a kid's perspective on sports. I'm going to have him on again. Now that he's got one under his belt, we'll bring him back in later to talk more about how the Hitmen did this summer. And uh, just talk some other sports with him and just get his, you know, his view on things. It's always nice to hear a different perspective, especially that of a kid's. They see the, the shit differently than we do, and I, I can appreciate that. So, all right, that'll be it, and we'll see you next week.